Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They called me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it is time for some news that's particularly strange. We are going to learn some new details in a long-standing murder case. Actually, we're going to do that several times. Uh, we're going to talk about how last week was, in a weird way, a big week for serial killers. Uh, we're going to have to mention a little bit about AI in Hollywood, of course. And uh, shout out to our our pal, who is a glass blower, who wrote to us and said, "Hey, I'm the one guy in the audience who didn't know what Mad Libs are." Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, we never when we make those call outs and ask ask for uh, those kind of communiques, it's always amazing when we hear back, uh, and we like to follow up on things. That's what uh, that's what a lot of uh, this week's strange news segment is going to be about: following up on things that may have not hit the headlines quite yet. Uh, before we do any of that, our first story today is for for the TikTokers in the audience. Um, Alexis called this a TikTokical story. Was that yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Gang, gang. Gang, <laughs> gang. Noel, what's going on? Mmm, ice cream's so good. Yes, yes, yes. 
Stop. Pop, 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 balloon. It's I'm not casting a spell that I am unaware of its effects. You know, we say that about lots of media, media, ritualistic kind of media. Basically, okay. I will say this to lead off. This is a phenomenon that I found out about um, from the guys over at Internet Today um, who linked to several incredible articles about this, uh, this phenomenon known as NPC streaming. But I told my kid about it, who is an official, you know, actual facts Gen Z, and uh, she was not aware of this. And the moment that I told her about it, she started seeing it everywhere. I don't know what's going on, the Internet and algorithms and all of that, or if it's just a coincidence or. It's one of those things where if you start looking for something, then then you're more likely to find it. Um, but essentially, you know, we think of TikTok videos that go viral as these very short form pieces of content. Uh, but like many platforms that involve streaming video, TikTok also has a uh, live feature. Um, and uh, this live feature is being used in a very bizarre and, uh, dare I say, interesting way by a handful of users, um, and it's starting to really pick up some steam. So those uh, little nonsense blurbs that I was uh, spouting off just a few minutes ago, um, yeah, that's basically what it is. You'll have an individual who is streaming, you know, two uh, users who are watching the stream, and when on, on first look, it seems as though this person is some sort of glitching robot or, like, I don't know, some kind of... A hologram that is experiencing uh, a, a technical malfunction um, by just kind of blurting out these little non sequitur, seemingly nonsensical phrases like gang gang, ice cream so good, um, pop, 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 balloon, uh, and yes, yes, yes. And then there are others. Um, this is what is being referred to, as I said, as NPC streaming. NPC, for all the gamers out there, uh, refers to non-player characters. And we've seen plenty of memes surrounding things like, I got an arrow in the knee, or whatever. Like, they're, they're lesser characters in video games. By being lesser than, say, main characters or more story-driving characters in games, they have um, a pretty finite number of things that they can react to. And uh, if you hang out with them long enough in games, you're going to hear them repeating these things. And it kind of, you know, oftentimes to hilarious results. Oh, fun, um, uh, fun theory about uh, the MPC you mentioned in Skyrim, you know, where there's a soldier who's like, I used to be out having adventures, but then I took an arrow to the knee. And mm -hmm. you're right, they, they say that pretty often. Apparently, that is a, a clever bit of innuendo or euphemism, taking an arrow to the knee as in like getting down on one knee and proposing, settling down and starting a family. Interesting. That's that's kind of weird, you know. That, uh, yeah. that just Skyrim's so deep with NPCs, but you're you're nailing the description here. Well, and it also reminds me of a thing that I think we talked about recently, the idea of uh, touching grace in Elden Ring, referring to this notion of, hey, everybody, make sure you're not just like hold up and uh, mm -hmm. what's it called? You know, poop socking and playing this game and never going outside and touching grass. That is it a thing. It still People reminds say, me of touching touch grass. Yeah, well, I get it. It's, it's <laughs> definitely, you know, it definitely can be triggering. Uh, poop socking. Way you look at it. You've talked about poop socking. I Come know. On. I'm just joking. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, one of the most prominent users in the TikTok world that, that is doing these uh, is a user by the name of Pinky Doll, who is Canadian, a 27-year-old resident of Montreal named Feta uh, Sinon, or Sinon um, who spoke to the New York Times about this and said, okay, you know, initially you might come across this and be like, what is this weirdo Gen Z nonsense? Well, uh, what it is is a cash cow. 
Uh, apparently, Pinky Doll is making anywhere between $2,000 and $3,000 per stream because these people who are doing these um, these NPC live streams are reacting to little rewards that can be handed out by users in the form of uh, stickers, I think is what they're called. Virtual coins is another way that was referred to in a Mashable article um, by uh, Mira Naviaka. Um, it's essentially a token that amounts to actual money, but each one of these is only worth about 0.01 cents. That's right, Matt, 0.01 cents. I saw you make a face. Um, but somehow you're getting enough of these, or at least, you know, the most popular uh practitioners of this money-making device um, to earn about $2,000 to $3,000 per stream. Uh, there are other users, one uh, called Natu Echo, not Natu Echo, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, with around 1.5 million followers. Um, this user is actually given credit for, you know, kicking off this trend. And uh, again, I'm always crediting the dudes over at Internet Today. They have really thoughtful commentary on a lot of these bizarro kind of internet culture things that pop up. And they pointed out that this is the kind of thing that doesn't really reach us, I guess, normies in this situation, or at least people that are outside of the TikTok bubble until it crosses this kind of barrier, you know, into, you know, something more like uh, being discussed on Twitter or Instagram or one of the platforms that, that we olds, you know, still mess with. Uh, and now it's actually gained so much steam because of its bizarre nature that people had so many questions that the New York Times is writing about it. And yet somehow my kid, who is not a mega TikTok user, um, but definitely very much it's, it's in you know her wheelhouse and her friend group, um, she didn't even know about it. So, yeah, it's essentially, you know, you're reacting. So like, you know, an ice cream, um, whatever, emoji or let's call it a, a virtual coin um, yields a reaction of mm, ice cream so good. And there's one that's that creates uh, the response of, of gang gang. Um, and here's another thing that's interesting that the Internet Today guys also pointed out, uh, utter credit where credit is due. And I ran this by my kid and, and she agrees usually there's another thing at play in these videos uh in pinky dolls streams or at least one in particular that got some attention she's using a hair straightener um in the background to pop single kernels of popcorn uh so if you put a single kernel of popcorn between a hair straightener you know one of those flat dooley bops uh it'll eventually pop and it creates this extra thing to pay attention to and wait for the result of while you're watching all of this sensory overload reaction to these different, you know, emotes. Um, again, I'm probably using the terminology incorrectly, forgive me, but again, each one of those does uh, amount to an amount of money. And if someone is uh, doing enough of these to earn $2,000 to $3,000 a stream, and they only are worth about 0.01 cents, I'm impressed, A, by that amount of money, um, and also B, that they keep track of these. It's just a constant barrage of these. If you've ever been on a live and you see the little hearts popping up, it's the same, you know, on, a, on an Instagram live, only it's multiple different ones of these that were, that elicit a different reaction. Um, all the while, while waiting for the little popcorn kernel to pop, at which point Pinky Doll takes it and puts it in a little bowl. There's other ones too. My kid was saying there's uh, ones where they'll like gradually be peeling an egg in the background or, you know, um, doing something with Play-Doh. It's, it's all about these kind of things that are meant to feed 
kind of ADD uh, types of um, impulses, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you know, sensory overload. And Ben, you're always referring to the dopamine casino. And Mm -hmm. this is an actual monetized version of the dopamine casino. Because every time that thing lights up and and the person, you know, that's streaming makes one of those sounds, it lights up some little sector of your brain. And maybe at first you're just passively watching it, you know, and just like out of morbid curiosity. And then maybe you get to a point where like, oh, maybe I'll try this myself. And then it could very well become maybe not an addiction person. Well, hell, let's just call it, it could become some form of addiction. I mean, a dopamine release is equivalent to a hit of a drug of some kind, you know? And there have been studies recently, uh, even before this particular phenomenon, that have um, cautioned that a lot of this kind of thing is uh, a, a casino for kids. Sure. Mm. I mean, at the very least, it's um, weaponizing habituation. Absolutely. It is the same reason that slot machines work even when you know the math is against you and the house will always win. I like it's weird because just talking with Robert Evans a while back about AI generated children's books, which are huge, huge grift. And the problem here, Noel, seems to be similar in that ostensibly this does not seem dangerous, right? This seems like a silly, fun diversion. I do input A, I get output B, I get a little chuckle, little spark in a happy part of my brain. But with that habituation, with that eternal, like that growing, escalating feedback loop of stimulus response, then the danger is that it can assume an ever greater priority in the mind You know what I mean? Like we see other Mm -hmm. examples of this with kids from before the days of the internet, kids calling uh, 900 numbers and racking up thousands of dollars on the phone bill before their parents find out. And that sounds silly, but I, uh, (laughs) I know someone who uh, that happened to, they were like eight years old and they started calling an insult joke line. So they were paying (laughs) Like ninety nine cents, a dollar ninety nine a minute to call and have some guy say like, "Oh, hey, freckle face," and it wasn't even live; it was just recorded stuff. Uh, so this can happen, and the problem is that, without making us all sound curmudgeonly, the problem is that when people realize there might be a danger to it, the ship is often already sailed. Right. That's why people sometimes are homeless and live in Internet cafes. No one identified the need to, as much as I don't like the phrase, touch grass. It's, it's true. And um, one last thing, you know, um, well, just, just another thing, Matt, I know you've got something to say here as well. Um, it occurs to me, too, that this kind of reward-based streaming really has its origins in adult content. You know, websites like Chatterbait and OnlyFans, you know, where you are, in fact, reacting to someone doing, like, sex acts. Um, and, and the more, you know, you, you give, uh, you know, these rewards, they'll do kind of what you ask them to do. Or there might be ones where there are specific buttons for certain things. And I've even seen ones like I think Chatterbait in, in particular where your clicks are connected to a 
device of some kind. You know, let's just keep it relatively family friendly. But um, the fact that this is, you know, TikTok is a platform that's very much geared towards children. And to your point, Ben, this can on the surface seem innocuous. The more you dig into this, there are versions of this that do sort of start to really lean a little bit toward the fetishistic, you know, and and the NPC uh, idea is that you're controlling this person. There, there is a, is a, is an act, act of control that is inherent in these types of exchanges. It's really interesting to me. Uh, there's a guardian article, uh, about this. And there's a quote in here from someone named Christine Tran from the university of Toronto. This person's a doctoral researcher of internet culture and digital labor. And, uh, Christine's making the point that this NPC streaming thing is kind of the granddaughter of, I I don't know how the right way to put this, but Christine puts it as cam girl influencing as this Uh. is like, it's a spinoff. And it reminds me of some of the ASMR video content Mm -hmm. that, that became really popular 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. For for a while there where, where a really popular uh, ASMR streamer may also have, you know, an explicit version of those videos that exist somewhere online, like an OnlyFans account or something like that. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know this, but Pinky Doll and Cherry Crush, at least according to the Guardian maintain OnlyFans accounts with explicit content. So it does make sense that this is like the, I don't know, the PG version of, people who also make that kind of content. Well, and it's also interesting too, because like kids, kids these days are totally aware of pornography. How could they not be? You know, I mean, it's just part and parcel of life on the internet. Um, And I can only imagine the kinds of things that my kid may or may not have seen that I will never be aware of. Uh, And there's nothing I can do about it. And maybe, you know, listeners will come out and, uh, you know, um, call me to task on that and say, well, do something about it, bro. Like put some blocks on. But you you can't, man. The the genie's out of the bottle. There's too many things that are so niche that no filter is going to change that. And like, you know, and I trust my, my kid kid, you know, uh, to, to put, to relatively do a relatively good job of policing her own internet use. Uh, and maybe that's naive. Maybe that's me being foolish, but I don't think so. And, and again, I just think it's, we've gotten to a point where, what are you going to do? These kids live on the internet. That, that's just how life has become. God, we went through a whole year of enforced life on the internet, you know, through, uh, the pandemic and all of that. You can't just take that away from them. That's like taking away air, You know, I mean, it's literally like taking away something that they need to survive socially, you know, without it, they would just wither and wouldn't know how to exist. And maybe that's sad, but it is what it is. Agreed. Well said. I mean, there's, there's also, I mean, there's so much more to explore in this way, but I'm really grateful that you're, you're bringing the light here, especially for uh, those of us in the crowd who adamantly refuse to participate in TikTok. Yeah, it's it's not for us, guys. <laughs> you know, if, if something like hits or like crosses that barrier, like we were talking about, I'll, I'll become aware of it. Uh, I do think it's a fascinating phenomenon and a fascinating bellwether of culture, but it's not for us. It's just it's 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 outside of my you know comprehension. Um, and I, I I like funny videos. I like you know a lot of weird niche humor and stuff. But I just feel like this stuff is not is not for us or our demographic. But it's interesting to find out about it secondhand. And then I'm lucky 
that I have a kid who's kind of entrenched in this stuff and I can sort of run these things past, but uh, she thinks it's bizarre. <laughs> and she made screenshots of some choice ones because it's not just pinky doll. It's dozens of them. And now if you look at like live streams on TikTok, it's like almost all of them. I mean, it's crazy how many people are doing this kind of stuff. Should we, the three of us become NPCs guys? And no, God, what? no. Why? My, <laughs> my main character energy is too strong. Bro. Oh Absolutely. no. <laughs> To that point, though, Matt, you know, there were some funny videos that were circulating maybe a year or two ago of people cosplaying as NPCs, where it'd be like a video of like a woman kind of walking around in circles in a loop and then slowly entering a grocery store, you know, like in this very, you know, intentional kind of NPC way. Because, you know, again, NPC characters, they're not giving them the most tech they're not giving them the the most like you know dialogue they're not they're they're kind of a lesser element of a game usually so it's sort of the joke is that they're they're always the most robotic and kind of uncanny valley creepy elements of games so it's sort of easy to to rag on it and there there were some really funny ones i'm I'm sure know your meme has a a really great page about this phenomenon just beyond this whole tiktok thing but uh i think yeah it's something to keep an eye on um as (laughs) we often say and 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 usually do uh but let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor and then come back with some more strange news Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. 
if you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. This is kind of a multi-level story, uh, and hopefully it is one that brings closure to many, many people. So for several years now, we have been doing an, an unfortunately recurring series on serial killers on the loose. Murderers who, through one means or another, got away with their crimes or were never held account for their actions. In many cases, a lot of these monsters die or they are arrested for another crime um, or in some cases they just ghost. The most famous of these is probably Jack the Ripper in the West. Jack the Ripper is not the killer with the highest amount of victims, but he is probably the most well-known. When people think of serial killers, you know, they think of a couple of like top, like a top 10 list. Jack the Ripper will inevitably be on that list. And I want to give a special shout out to my pal David Murphy over on Instagram, who hipped me to the first part of our, our serial killer exploration today. According to an author named Sarah Bax Horton, Jack the Ripper's identity may now be revealed by newly discovered medical records. That's right. Even a case from the 19th century can have new developments. That's what we mean when we say we keep an eye on things. Uh, Horton has a very interesting story. She's a former police volunteer and her great, great grandfather was also in law enforcement. He was a policeman deeply involved in the original Ripper investigation. And she found some pretty, I, I won't say watertight yet, but found some incredibly compelling evidence that appears to match contemporaneous witness descriptions of Jack the Ripper. Uh, I want to give a special shout out as well to Dahlia Alberge over at The Telegraph. Uh, Dahlia, I hope we're pronouncing your name correctly. So who does she think it is? We can tell you right now. She thinks it's a guy named Hyam Hyams, H-Y-A-M, H-Y-A-M-S. He lived in the area at the center of the murders. He knew how to use bladed implements. He was epileptic. He was an alcoholic. He was in and out of asylums. And he received a traumatic brain injury that uh, may have altered his personality further and prevented him from holding down a regular job for the time. Uh, he was quite abusive toward his wife, uh, quite paranoid. He was even arrested because at one point he attacked his spouse and his mother with what police described as a chopper. So I imagine that's... Um, we could think of a meat cleaver. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so this guy, how does she put this together? So we know the witness descriptions, and we have, in fact, talked about them many years ago on this show. Jack the Ripper appeared to be a man in his mid-30s with a stiff arm, 
and an irregular gait with preternaturally bent knees. Horton discovered that medical notes about Hyams, who was 35 in 1888, these records show that he had an injury that left him unable to bend or extend his left arm. He also had an irregular walk, and he couldn't straighten out his knees. We also know that he had a very severe form of epilepsy, and he had regular, not uncommon, seizures. These notes, which Horton gathers from all kinds of infirmaries and asylums, show that you can literally map the decline, the mental decline of Hyam Hyams with the escalation of Jack the Ripper's killing period. Uh, from when Hyams breaks his left arm in February of 1888 to his permanent committal to asylum in September of 1889. He was also known to be particularly violent after his epileptic fits, which might explain the intervals between the murders. Let's let's pause here real quick. Yeah, what do, what do you guys think so far? Again, this is not proven, but does it seem like it might hold some sand? I think so. I especially like the detail about, you know, explaining the interval between crimes. Um, that, that, that always, I think, is a question, right? Whenever, um, w- you know, an MO is determined, you know, for example, with the Zodiac killer and the lag between crimes, like a big question around that was, is it the right person? Was it someone who felt the police were on to them and then decided to kind of cool down? Because usually those cool down periods are not that long. And then there as a result of like, you know, the timing that maybe it would take between a drug addict who needs another fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Serial killers are, uh, you know, per the FBI, part of their they're partially defined by those intervals between their heinous acts. I Let's talk a little more, too, about the timeline here. So as the telegraph shows us and as Barton argues Jack the Ripper's murders stopped at the end of 1888. That's right around the time that Hyam Hyams was picked up by law enforcement as a, quote, wandering lunatic. Uh, And in 1889, he was locked up permanently in the Colney Hatch Lunatic Asylum, which is in North London, and he was there until he died in 1913. After he got put away, Jack the Ripper never struck again. Now, that's a correlation, right? But it may not, it it may simply be a coincidence. We know that there were many other people who were locked up in asylums in that period. You know what I mean? This was not an uncommon thing. And there is still like, there's so many theories revolving around specific suspects, you know, like um, Walter Sickart comes up a lot. The the fantastic graphic novel and fantastic film adaptation um, of Jack the Ripper. Oh gosh, what what from hell? From hell, yeah, 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 yeah. Then they they go deep into the conspiracy theory regarding royal involvement and cover ups. But what's interesting here, you guys, is that Hyam Hyams has been on this list before. People mm-hmm. had brought his name up, but. They got into a Philo from Byzantium situation. This is the part I find the hardest to believe. There was more than one Hyam Hyams in London at the time. Like, how common was the name back then? Hyam Hyams? 
It sounds made up. It sounds is like it, bad improv. Is is it of uh, Jewish origin? Is that a stereotypical question? I'm sorry. Is that weird? I only ask because it, it perhaps maybe is more of a common name, you know, mm-hmm. in uh, in that set than perhaps what we might think of as traditional Londoners. Mm-hmm. I see. And that's if they identify the right one, because again, they kept getting confused because there was more than one Hyam Hyams in play. Uh, Barton, in fact, in her investigation, found five different dudes, all named Hyam Hyams. And she had to sift through this confusion, this noise, to figure out what what was going on. So her next question, why wasn't the why didn't people know about this earlier? Right. It's been, you know, a little bit of time since the Jack the Ripper murders and uh, since the killer got away. But if we look at classifications, that's where we see the explanation, because to protect confidentiality of relatives and survivors, two of the Hatch Asylum files on patients were closed to public view until like 2015. So wow. you you wouldn't have been able to learn this beforehand. I just have to make the point, you're just going back to how difficult it must have been to sift through those five people, right? Because if you go right now today to something like the White Pages or any of these other purported, you know, information gathering sites that have personal information on everybody, like uh, Instant Checkmate or something. Sure. If you look up your own information, I and I challenge everybody to do this, look up your own information And there's a ton of stuff probably, in all likelihood, associated with your name or a phone number you have or an address that you've uh, lived at one one point in your life. There's other stuff associated with your person that has nothing to do with you, which I can only imagine with the number of records we have today, and it's very difficult to get true answers from a service like that. If you were trying to go back to the 1880s, Sure. Uh, I mean, my God, yeah, that must have been incredibly difficult work. I mean, when you get to that point, you're looking at handwritten records often, right? And someone with a weird style on their cursive S might throw off your whole case. And records that someone decided they were important enough to keep. Right. Yeah. Or there are just so many variables that can happen. but between the time a record is made and the time someone decides to look back at it. It is inevitable and quite frightening uh, that there are answers to lots of crimes that are locked away in archives somewhere and not necessarily uh, as a result of malicious intent. Humans are just information hoarders. They make a lot of stuff. Uh, And we want to hear your thoughts on the Jack the Ripper investigation. We also want to point out that Miss Bax Horton does have a book coming out on this. If you are interested in learning more, it is called One-Armed Jack, Uncovering the Real Jack the Ripper. Uh, It will be coming out this summer. In full disclosure, we have not read it, but I think we should check it out. And that's not the only big serial killer news this week. We have something that is incredibly important to us and incredibly important to many, many people. Again, we want to focus on the possibility of justice, the possibility of closure. Guys, remember we had in our in one of our serial killers on the loose episodes, we talked about what is sometimes called the Long Island serial killer. 
the unidentified assailant in the Gilgo Beach serial killings quite recently between 1996 and 2011. They found someone. They finally found someone and arrested them. And you guys remember this case, right? This is the one where the guy seemed very organized, uh, seemed to taunt people, uh, seemed to seemed to know how to play law enforcement a little bit, mm-hmm. if we're being honest, with red herrings, misleading, and, and just absolutely brutal, monstrous crimes. Yeah, someone hunting sex workers. I think I remember seeing it known as the Gilgo Beach Killer. Like, uh, when we covered that episode, it was like an AKA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gilgo Beach serial killings. Um, also, the killer was called Lisk or Long Island serial mm-hmm. killer. And they kept finding more victims and for a long time law enforcement and families and relatives everyone was at a loss this person seemed to have disappeared but as of july 14th a long island architect named rex hewerman has been arrested and charged with the murders of three of the 11 victims in the gilgo beach serial killings They say they found him because they matched DNA from a pizza he ate to genetic material found on one of the victim's remains. Whoa. Not to make light, but I can't help but think of an episode of The Sopranos where AJ uh, and some of his delinquent friends mess up, vandalize the school, and they link him to the crime because of a pizza that they leave behind that is a Mm. custom job that is only made by... For AJ, sorry. I no, no. I th- it's a good point. They got Golden State uh, via what a coffee cup, I think, in the trash. Right? In the trash, and of course, to be fair, we should tell you that usually when law enforcement gets to the point that they're going through someone's trash for genetic material, they already have several powerful indicators. They're they're not just. Your local law enforcement is not just sitting around waiting for you to dump your casserole or something like that. Unless they are. Unless they are. And if they are waiting, that's because they think you did some bad, bad Mm -hmm. shit. And they might be right. So this guy, obviously, he pleads not guilty. Uh, Another caveat we have to add, investigators for a long time have said that it is highly unlikely that one person would be responsible for the total 11 murders considered considered to be the Gilgo Beach murders. We don't know a ton right now about the investigation's ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of it, but we do know he was identified as a suspect at least as far back as March 2022. They linked him to a pickup truck that a witness reported uh, seeing on the night one of the victims disappeared. And there's a lot of news that's still coming out. There's much more that's going to come to light. It does appear, if we're being absolutely objective, it does appear that law enforcement is convinced mm-hmm. this man is a serial killer, even if he is not responsible for all 11 murders. And the more, Matt, we were talking about this a little off air too, like the more you learn about this guy, the worse he seems. He had a double life, burner phones. Um, a story came out today on a local ABC affiliate where a former escort named Nikki Brass talks about having a date with him and the 
vibe was very dangerous. Like he was obsessed with this case, right? Yeah. It was, he asked her on the date if she had heard about the Gilgo Beach murders. They're like, uh, you realize what we're doing right now, right? Maybe let's not talk about that. <laughs> Apparently he had a big smile, glossed over eyes, Yikes. you know, the double zeros. That's the way Stephen King describes it. Uh, he also, on his burner phones, would search for stuff about the suspects. Uh, he would search for stuff about the case. Uh, he also had depictions of sexual abuse of children, a lot Jeez. of sadism. This is this is a bad, bad dude. We're going to keep an eye on this one as well, um, and we will update as the case continues. But before we go, what do you guys think? I mean, it seems like did some of this. It seems that way from the reporting, right? As always, we have to remain, you know, vigilant in that until stuff is proven in a court of law, it might not be what it purports to be or might not be connected in the way we think, but it looks bad. And it reminds me a lot of BTK, actually, the whole double Mm. life thing, like a father, a husband kind of just living this whole other life. Yeah. Dennis Radar, who also would have gotten away if he hadn't been addicted and needed the attention and taunted law enforcement. We're going to, this is dark, dark stuff. um, But it is important to understand these investigations continue long after the headlines disappear. We want to hear your takes folks. Uh, We want to hear your thoughts on this, uh, both Jack the Ripper and the Gilgo beach killings. One eight, three, three S T D W Y T K. You can also find us. uh, We read every email we get where we are conspiracy, diehardradio.com. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors And we're going to be back with an unexpected lead in another murder investigation. Matt, I don't know much about this one. I I can't wait to learn more. Same. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned. I'm going to read an ABC News article at the top here and then go over some important information we need to know before discussing further. That makes sense, guys. The headline that you may have seen already is Magazine Articles on Tupac Shakur's Death Among Items Seized from Home in Murder Investigation. Guys, the investigation into Tupac Shakur's murder is moving forward actively when police literally went into a home and began removing evidence from that home. And it happened this past Monday as we're recording this on Monday, July 17th. First of all, before we even get into the, the details here, how nuts is it that again, after all this time, after all these years since was that was 1996, there is mm-hmm. a house actively being raided. What do you think? And you, you can't help but think about, you know, the fictional version of this or like this person who's been keeping this secret and hoarding magazine articles and, you know, like researching their own misdeeds and stuff. You know what I mean? Like going into a serial killer's lair and there's articles with the red string up on the wall mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, that's just where my mind goes immediately. Well, yeah. It's like what we just talked about, the serial killer who was like obsessing over his own work, right? At a dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a very... It's a very specific and sickening kind of cognitive masturbation, is it not? Uh, that that self obsession and and Matt, you know, I'm I'm really interested in this too because we have to logically assume that this being one of the most famous murders, right in in that time, this would have also been something that fascinated many people who are absolutely not involved in any way with those events um, or may not even like hip hop for some reason. Like it's, it's not damning that someone has magazines about no. Tupac by itself. You know, that's like someone having a book about princess Diana. Doesn't exactly. Mean they the car. 100%. Exactly. And I didn't realize Matt that the, Actual shooter is long thought to have been killed himself in, a, in another drive-by. Spoiler alert! Jeez, man! I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Literally two years after Tupac was killed, it is believed this is one of the best working theories. Okay, this is the way I think that's the best way to phrase it. Is that Tupac himself, after leaving that boxing match with Suge Knight? In 1996, uh, let me get the actual date, September 7th, 1996, uh, he was out in his car and he got shot while he was sitting in a car by another vehicle that drove by. 
right? And fired into his vehicle where he was. He went to the hospital and then died six days later. One of the best working theories is that his death was directly linked to basically a gang war or gang violence that was occurring um, between Tupac, other members of his group, and uh, some members of the Crips gang. Because I I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but I believe Tupac was associated with the Bloods uh, gang, at least in some way. I don't know all the details. But there's this guy named Orlando Baby Lane Anderson who was supposedly the shooter, or at least thought to potentially be the shooter who was in the vehicle that drove by when Tupac was killed or shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's so let's talk about the new evidence and why this house was searched. In 2018, there was a Netflix series created by Kyle Long. It's called Unsolved, colon, The Tupac and Biggie Murders. There are 10 episodes of this series. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it if you'd like. And there is a book from 2019 titled Compton Street Legend by a man named Dwayne Keith Davis, who's also known as Keith D or K-E-F-F-E-D. Maybe that's not how you mm-hmm. say it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the other writer of that book is Yusuf Jaw. Uh, also sounds like a pen name to me. Uh, but Keith D says that he's one of the only two living eyewitnesses of this crime, at least according to his book and statements that he's made. Yeah, yeah. Um, isn't that that confluence of the the book and the docuseries you mentioned, isn't that part of what spurred uh, the new leg of investigation? Exactly. It is strange that we're now four years removed, even from that book, and there's action being taken. To me, that's a bit odd. I guess that means that the investigation, you know, caught fire again at some point, and someone mm-hmm. somewhere in the department said, hey, we need to actually chase down some of these leads some of these statements that are made within both that book and in this uh, series. And there's an interview. According to Davis, he was driving the vehicle that's associated uh, with the shooting of Tupac Shakur. There's a drive-by. And he describes hearing the gunshots from behind him. Basically, an open window and the person seated behind him is the one who was firing, is what he's saying. Do we know any more details about this residence in Vegas? it's it's weird because they specifically went to this house. It wasn't something they found in an unrelated investigation, right? Whatever it was, sent them to Henderson, Nevada. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't have a ton of information. I've got the latest stuff I found was from ABC. Uh, shout out to Josh Margolin, Alex Stone, and Meredith Deliso. Deliso. Um, mm-hmm. It was... The one that I'm reading right now is from July 19th, so yesterday, as we record this. Um, Mm -hmm. And here's a quote from that article. In addition to the magazine articles on Tupac, items retrieved from the home included computers, hard drives, and pictures from the 1990s that apparently show individuals who might have been connected to people directly or indirectly involved in the drive-by shooting. This is according to an official there with the police. There were also copies of the book, Compton Street Legend. Again, a lot of this stuff doesn't seem connected in any way to an actual investigation, unless you're talking about those hard drives and pictures that might have, you know, someone writing about the incident, maybe, but somehow I doubt it. I don't know. Or like if the book is annotated, you know, if someone has been dumb enough to write specifics in the margins. Yeah. The house was in Henderson, Nevada. 
Uh, we don't know a lot of other information besides it was a court-authorized search. It was Las Vegas Metro PD who was there and a SWAT team associated with that department. I don't know. That's really all I've got, guys. So I'm, I'm reading these sources, man, and it looks like they conducted the search, but there have been no arrests made. And, it's a, and it also sounds like they went for shock and awe with this search, like bullhorns, lights, yeah. SWAT, mm-hmm. the whole, whole nine. Uh, that's a lot to do if there's not a substantive takeaway. Well, there's is not it, an arrest. Or is it kind of putting on a show because you you know perhaps you even know for sure that the person who perpetrated this crime is mm-hmm. not there and you can't hold that person accountable but because this is such a high profile case you want to make a show of the fact that you're you know even looking into it again yeah there's some theater to it i mean logically swat makes sense too because if they like someone for this then they would logically assume that person is armed, right? Mm-hmm. They were certainly armed one night in the 90s. Uh, this, I, I don't know. I, yeah, the the theatrical aspect does make sense. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it does feel that there is some performative piece to this. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a shaking the bushes approach. You know what I mean? Maybe they feel like they've got the suspect treed and they're trying to get closer, get in touch. Well, yeah, and there were other people in that vehicle besides uh, Davis, who, you know, has written the confession in the book and then talked about it in that documentary, and Orlando Anderson, you know, who is deceased. There's other people in that car, so maybe they're going after one of them. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. That makes sense. Again, right, it's all about connecting people until you find... The person who pulled the trigger and the person who ordered it, right? Yeah. And there are still, there's just still so many questions about this, so many allegations of corruption in law enforcement, you name it. There, there's still a lot of directions this could go in. It's true. Something I didn't even think about, guys, is that the actions they're taking may actually have something to do with the death of uh, Christopher Wallace, a, a notorious B.I.G., Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of what this is about rather than going after somebody they know is deceased in the death of Tupac. Yeah, and that, that assassination happened shortly after uh, the murder of Tupac Shakur. Christopher Wallace is killed on March 9th, 1997. And those have, have long thought to have been related hits, you know, retaliatory. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And that one's in L.A. And they were both so young. Man. It's isn't it weird? You know, we were kids when this stuff happened. You know, it's the same with like Kurt Cobain, for example. And in my mind, I always think of Kurt Cobain as being this like older guy, <laughs> you know. And now we're all in our thirties looking back, and these guys were in their twenties. And we just it's this time is weird. <laughs> That's all. There's one important point that we always need to bring up in these conversations, and I hate to have to make it. Because it does sound somewhat like a dickish thing to say, but it's true. What if law enforcement treated the murder of everyone in the country the way they treat the murder of celebrities? Like that's, you know, I'm thinking about this, like, let's say, God forbid, in uh, us recording and us in the audience today, what if you lost someone close to you? Wouldn't you hope? that police continue investigating years and decades after, if that's what it takes to find the person responsible. I I just, I don't know how to fix it, man, but 
Well, the the problem is the reward for solving Tupac's murder is a book or three, a movie about you where some star plays you. The, you know, the reward for that is massive on the level of the investigator. And once you retire, mm-hmm. you've got a full retirement plan now. If you solve Speaking the murder, circuits, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you solve the murder of, um, you know, someone like us, a random person, you don't really get anything besides, uh, hey, good job, detective. I mean, that's yeah, it. One more red case off the board, as they say in uh, cop shows. So we got to change the yeah. reward somehow? Yeah. Or um, convince people not to murder each other. Let's start with the rewards. The rewards <laughs> feels like both are ambitious steps, but the rewards mm-hmm. feels a little bit less out of reach. Feels that way to me too. All right. Well, that's it for, for this. There, there will be updates right at some point from Las Vegas or from Henderson, Nevada, but uh, we'll keep an ear out. You do too. And uh, yeah, we'll come back with more if we get it. Mm-hmm. And we may be getting new leads from you folks. Again, you are our favorite part of this show. Uh, and we get so many fantastic and disturbing stories from your fellow conspiracy realist. So join up. We want you to contact us at any number of, uh, of, of doorways, platforms, crossroads at midnight. Portholes. Portholes, you know, balustrades. Uh, just, or you can just find us online. That's right. You can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff, where we exist on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. We're Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and, yes, TikTok, where you will definitely not be seeing us doing any uh, NPC streams. Speak for yourself. Soon. Hey, I'll tune in, buddy. You, you, <laughs> you can get a you can get an ice cream uh, emoji from me, baby. Yes. I don't know what that means. Still, kind of, but not really. Yum yum. Or good ice cream. Mmm, ice cream so good. Call one eight three three S T D W Y T K. It's a voicemail system. You will be speaking directly to us. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname. If you'd like to have your name and message on the air, please let us know that you give us permission to do that. Just say, hey, you can use my name and message on the air. It's that simple. If you don't want to call, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy 
taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts